I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today, I'm joined by LaQuenta Jacobs, who is the Chief Diversity Officer at XPO Logistics. LaQuenta, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you, Ruby, for having me. I'm very excited about our conversation. Me too. You are a human resources expert. You've been in the field a long time. Can you tell us a little bit about how you first got your start? Sure. My career started on the talent acquisition side of human resources. And then over the years, it's progressed into roles of increased responsibility. So I've been in the HR field about 25 years now, moving from the four five. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) That's so nice. And so I started on the, like as I mentioned, on the talent acquisition side, and moved into more of a generalist function where I BU and HR strategy from several large companies. My career has progressed with roles of a progressive responsibility, and I think that is because. The HR function, I was taught very early on to be a business partner and not a personnel manager. And so I've been able to leverage that in my roles to help me grow my career and be a resource to the business. For those of our listeners who are thinking about a career in HR or who have one, what do you think the benefits of that field are? It has aligned very closely to my natural gifts. So helping people, aligning people to their skills, ensuring that they are contributing at the level that they want to, making sure that we have fair and equitable practices within our HR management. And so someone who is coming into HR, I would definitely say, begin to be a student of the function begin to incorporate, you know, learnings and certifications and reading articles and increasing your knowledge about employment law and the policies and procedures that impact employment to help you build your muscle. Because once you have that strong foundation, you can lift and shift that knowledge into various organizations and grow your career. But you have to start with that fundamental knowledge. I think that's a great point and could apply to so many careers in so many directions. But there's so, especially today with what's available online, there's so much research and learning we can do before even diving in. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you invest in your knowledge, it will show up in the work that you do. And so I encourage anyone who's looking to get into HR, there's so many functional disciplines in HR as well to really be a steward. I love that. And so to that point, you've recently made a shift into Uh diversity. So let's talk about what inspired you to make that move and what your new role looks like. So for my career uh, and coming out of college, I've always been in a role where I have been drawn to organizational development and how people function in an organization, what rewards someone in an organization, what drives revenue for a business. And even over my career, I found myself diving into HR or diving into diversity, equity, and inclusion, the subcomponent to my role. So leading the women in initiative programs, you know, doing campus recruiting at our HBCUs or historically black colleges, building out leadership development programs. And all of that work culminated into my appointment as a chief diversity officer for XPO Logistics. Additionally, to take a step back, I think a little bit of the work that I was doing at XPO also allowed me to be primed for the role, focusing on external engagements, speaking at conferences, modeling diversity, equity, and inclusion in our work. And so I think all of those things uh, helped to get me to the place where I am today. It's awesome. So what have been some of the most important turning points in your life? And kind of part of that is, 
when you've gotten a new role, have you raised your hand or you've been picked in most cases? Two turning points that come to mind for me. The first was my biggest turning point in my career was making the decision to step outside of an organization that I was very comfortable with, an organization that I knew the politics, I knew the players, I knew who wore my t-shirt, right? I knew who didn't wear my t-shirt. I knew where to go to find information. Like I was in there. (laughs) I'm very seasoned in my role. And one of my big turning points was to step away from that, to take a step back professionally and to focus on my children and my marriage. I was getting married and my husband had two children. And so I was going to become a stepmom immediately. And I realized that I needed to take a step away from, you know, kind of climbing that ladder to really focus on myself personally and internally and be there for my stepchildren. And that has really benefited me because even today, although I sit on the side of being a divorced female, I still have a wonderful relationship with those children. And I think it is because of the time that I took to pour into them. The second um, contagious. <laughs> Thank you. Just take that step back. And I've been in that moment where you your corporate identity can almost kind of become your whole identity. And it's really hard to step away. I love the way you said that, um, Rumi. And it's not making that our whole identity, right? Balancing it all. Um, and I think that is something that's very unique to a female leader and women in corporate America, learning how to balance that. That's right. The second pivotal point in my career, I would say, was choosing a role of greater responsibility. But raising my hand for that in my current organization and being told, no, I wasn't ready. But watching colleagues to the left of me and to the right of me get promoted into the same role, a very similar experience. And I decided one day, I'm going to step out. I'm going to put my toe in the water and see what's out there for me. And XPO Logistics was the organization that opened the door for me to grow. And I will tell you that if I had not bet on myself, if I didn't know what I brought to the table, my skills, my attributes, my strengths, and if I allowed someone else to tell me those things, I wouldn't be here today. And so I'm a firm believer our steps are ordered and we have to listen to that really small, quiet voice in our head that's telling us to take a chance on ourselves, because the best investment you can make, the best bet you can make is in yourself. For sure. Well, it sounds like you took two big leaps and were really rewarded for it. I'd love to ask you a little bit about how you came back into the workplace when you took a step back, because I know that's on the mind of a lot of our audience as well. No problem. I was in an organization that afforded me the opportunity to raise my hand to say I could take on more. And so my step forward uh, to come back was really taking on more responsibility and projects of greater responsibility to demonstrate my capability to my leaders. It wasn't just about me saying, hey, I want to do more, but it was me demonstrating that in my performance. And then after a couple of projects that I was able to lead, a role was presented to me and I stepped into that role. I was really committed to delivering on the commitments that we were making, understanding what expectations were, and then demonstrating that I could deliver and myself, my team could deliver on those commitments. That was the way that I made the transition back kind of into my role of progression. Love it. Progressing my career, I should say. Yes. That's great. So you are a chief diversity officer. So can you talk to us a little bit about how being a woman has played a role in your career and being a Black woman has played a role in your career? And how does that inform your work moving forward? A little bit of insight into my life. Growing up, my mother was an entrepreneur and my mother and father owned a chain of dry cleaners. My father was our stability, right? He went to work every day. He provided our benefits. You know, he was kind of, as I've gotten older, I've learned the roles that they played. And my mother was the risk taker. So I grew up 
watching my mom, you know, kind of grow our family business, increasing, you know, the multiple businesses that she had and motivating her team. So whenever I left school, we always came to one of, you know, after school care was at my mom's cleaners. And so I watched her and I worked in the business. Uh, That was my first example of seeing a woman in leadership. But what stuck out for me as I, you know, talked to my mother and talked to um, our employees was the care, the concern, the leadership, the expectations she set for them and the way that she led. And so many people in her company, whether they left for greater responsibility or some other reason, were very thankful for her mentorship. And so that left an indelible impression for me on what leadership looks like. So when it came to my career, I had an example to follow. Be kind, be authentic, you know, reward people for the work that they do. And that has been kind of the foundation for me. As a Black woman, I have always resonated in my skin very well. And it has been something for me that has allowed me to be authentic in who I am. I am who I am. I walk in the door as a Black woman. I can't change that. When I walk in the door, someone does can't say that they don't see my color because you can, right? And so those are some of the things that I've used as a strong foundation for who I am. I am, um, but it's also given me a sympathy and empathy towards others who have are fault in an underrepresented group and how to navigate and manage through micro or macro aggressions or manage through challenges in the work environment. And that's allowed me to be a mentor of those. Does that answer your question? Definitely. Love it. So let's talk about mentorship and sponsorship. Having a lot of conversations about this recently. And what I'm hearing is a lot of women feel it's hard to find their mentors and sponsors. Any advice on how they can do a better job or how they're to make it easier? Definitely. You know, in our day-to-day work environments, we see people in general that emulate behavior that we think are good behaviors. We also see people who may emulate behavior that behaviors that we say, I don't want to be that kind of leader. And when you're identifying a mentor or a coach or a sponsor, you have to be intentional in building those relationships. A couple of pieces of advice that I give, you know your strengths better than anyone else. You also know your weaknesses better than anyone else. And once you identify what those strengths and weaknesses are, I would encourage people to seek out mentors who are strong in the areas where you're not. And be vulnerable and express an interest in having them teach you a skill or having them mentor you in a particular area. Or even just be authentic and say, I love your leadership style. I would love for you to mentor me. But you have to be intentional in those relationships. Also understand that some of your best mentors may not look like you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And they may not be in your current organization. So be very intentional with who you identify as a mentor. Be very intentional with who you identify as a sponsor. And once you start to build those relationships, also be ready for reciprocity. Pour back into that relationship, right? Be a woman of your word. (laughs) Since this is Sherry Godboss, I'll say that, you know, be a woman of your commitments. If you say you're going to meet at a certain time, honor those commitments, own that relationship and show them that you value the time that they're putting into you. I love it. I think that is so important. And I I love, I've never heard anybody express it quite in that way, this idea of doing some soul searching first. Instead of like the knee jerk, I need a mentor, I need a mentor. It's what am I lacking or what, where am I in my journey? What would compliment me at this moment? So it is very intentional and it's not just like, well, I need a mentor because I need a mentor. Absolutely. It's really understanding what, what gap do you want to close and leveraging those mentor relationships, those sponsor relationships, 
relationships and those coaching relationships to help you close that gap or build a skill. Yes. So how, it sounds like you have a great role model in your mother. How do you think about mentoring and supporting those around you? I have a personal, um, and I think anyone um, who has worked with me knows I have a personal commitment and I seek out individuals to build. So I look for um, young professionals, growing professionals and women in the organization that I can build a relationship with. I also am very intentional in giving feedback and observations and asking if it is a good place and a good time to give that feedback. Yes. That has been given to me, right, was feedback. And if not for that feedback, I would have probably stayed in a very um, counterproductive place or not been aware of how some of my behaviors or presentation styles would have come across. And so for me, when I look to mentor, I look to make sure that I am, I can give to someone and I have the time to give to someone as well. But sometimes those relationships are in the moment coaching or in the moment leadership or making yourself available when you know it's someone's first project uh, and being there for them and helping them along the way. There's nothing worse than walking in a room with a group of executive leaders and you have no allies in the room. (laughs) Right? So... Yes. Yeah, I absolutely try to create that allyship for others. It's great. And I I think it is so essential to give feedback. And especially I find if I'm going to be like very stereotypical, it's harder for women to take feedback. And so, but being able to view it as a kindness. And and also I love this idea of of making sure it's the right time to give the feedback because it's so much kinder to give the feedback. It will help. And I know I've received some really killer tough feedback that has made all the difference to my career. Absolutely. And the other thing... Rumi is ask for it. Ask for okay. yeah. your presentation. Ask someone who is in the room that you know you can trust to say, okay, how did I do? You know, what was your perception of that presentation? Or what was your perception of how I presented the information? And be open and be ready to incorporate their feedback because if someone takes the time to give it to you, that means they're vested in seeing you be successful. For sure. It takes a lot of vulnerability to ask for it, but it, you will be rewarded. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of vulnerability, yes. Quenta, could you tell us about a mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? I This mistake haunts me <laughs> all of my career. Yes. You know, I, one of my biggest mistakes that I've made when I was in the consulting practice and I had a huge deliverable and I didn't complete it on time. I underestimated my capability as well as the work that went into completing this deliverable. And I didn't plan my time accordingly. And as the days and the weeks were coming up to the project, I don't care how hard I worked. It seemed like I was never taking a bite out of this apple. And what I realized at that moment was I was trying to do it all on my own. It was my project. My name was on it. You know, my work reputation was on the line. And in that moment, I failed forward. (laughs) I I failed miserably. I crashed (laughs) forward. And I remember calling my boss at the time, 24 hours before the project was due, saying, I'm not going to make it. And she says, I knew you weren't going to make it. I knew you weren't going to deliver on that. But we have to talk about that because this was your project and this was your ownership to own that. It was an epic fail, at the, as they say. And I learned from that moment for to never estimate the details that go into a project. I always create a project plan, whether it is small or large, and I work from the back forward. That's just my working style. What is the end result and how are you going to get there? And then I identify who the key stakeholders are. That was one of the things that I didn't do in that big project is I didn't identify who my key stakeholders were. And I built in no time in 
in my project for anyone to review it, to poke holes in it, to give me feedback, to help me along the way. And so those are some of the things that I have picked up as really good points when working on a project or when your name is associated with something. One of my biggest mentors, her name is Lisa Abraham Brown. I mean, she was with my previous organization. I remember she used to tell me, is it tight and is it right? I love that. Right? <laughs> and then she would always ask me as well, well, have you thought about this component? Knowing that I hadn't, but yeah. you know, just kind of poking those holes in it and teaching me to think globally yeah. beyond the project, but how will this impact the greater organization? And then the last thing she would teach me was, if your name is on it, you own it. Right, right. That's it. And it's so much better to ask for help or bring in others than it is to fail solo. Absolutely. (laughs) So it's May 2021 and the world has looked really strange for the last year and some. How have you yourself managed through? What practices have you found that have helped you sustain this difficult time? Yeah, I think we've all learned to master kind of a new normal, right? In this past year, if if nothing else, uh, I think the past year has taught us and working in this remote work environment that being impressive for our families and our friends and implementing self-care is critically important. And so some of the things that I have done differently is I've taken time to do self-care in my remote work environment. There is a specific designated place for work. And then there's a specific designated place for living. And they don't cross-pollinate for me. I had to provide structure to myself. Instead of working at the kitchen table with the TV on at the same place that I eat dinner and I cook and, you know, folks are in the living room, I had to create and carve out a space where I got up and I went to work every day. And so that helped me create structure. And it also helped me to create designated work times. Yeah, I probably would go downstairs and work a little bit earlier than I would if I was commuting into work. And I'm stay a little bit later, but at a certain time, I shut it off uh, for my own mental health. And then the last two things I will say is staying in communication with my colleagues and staying in communication with my friends, checking in and making sure that people are okay. You know, you don't get the luxury of working next door to your, your office buddy, right? So picking up the phone and calling that office buddy and keeping that relationship, but also doing that with your friends and your family to check in on them. And then understanding your own mental health. Days you're sad, why are you sad? The days when you're despondent, why are you despondent? The days when you're happy, what made you happy, right? And balancing that and taking a little bit of personal time for yourself. Yeah, it is so vital to maintain those connections and also check in with yourself and really kind of like take your temperature every day. And what do I need today? Right. right. Can I go, can I go cheer people up or do I need to be cheered up? Absolutely. And asking for it. It's okay. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. So LaQuenta, we're going to go to our fast five. Are you ready? LaQuenta, what is your favorite karaoke song? I want to dance with somebody by Whitney Houston. Oh, what a great song. <laughs> One of my favorites. I feel like that video and that dress is just etched in my brain. What's your favorite way to practice self-care? Writing my Peloton with Tunde. (laughs) You're one of them. Yeah, I am. I'm a Peloton girl. (laughs) That is, I mean, people who have the Pelotons love the Pelotons. I love it. I haven't done it yet, but I feel like I have to give it a try. Who is a celebrity you'd like to have dinner with? So this is personal and selfish, but Idris Elba. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I don't need you to elaborate on that. I got it. You got it. What's a book you'd recommend to our audience? A book that I have read twice over the last year, Alchemist. I love that book. And I have not read that in a long time. I need to. That is just a heart warmer. It is. That is a great book. I love it. Okay. So at Fairy God Boss, we have a tradition. 
what we see is that women are not good at bragging or taking credit for our work. And so I am going to put you on spot right now and ask you to show us how it's done. Can you please brag for us about you? Sure. Um, you know, we never feel comfortable doing this, right? But uh, LaQuinta Jacobs, an executive, 25 years of HR experience, successfully leading BU and HR strategies for major companies, Delta Airlines, the Home Depot, Deloitte, NCR and Radiant Systems. I have a functional COE role as a talent leader in Deloitte, as well as the chief diversity officer role for XBO Logistics. And I'm specifically known for owning and managing my partner relationships and being a pretty darn good HR professional. Bravo. That was excellent. I love it. You did a beautiful job. Thank you. Love it. Well done. And thank you for being willing to show us the way. No problem. To close, I'd like to hand this back to you and ask if you're talking to our audience, talented, ambitious women, many of them feel exhausted, burnt out, unsure where to go now. What's your advice? What's your advice for them? So my advice is to really understand what's important for you in your life. You get one life, you know, the why you only live once, right? Uh, Same, but you get one life. And while we are ambitious for our careers and while we are ambitious to grow our careers, we also have to be equally intentional on how we manage our personal lives and how we manage our personal relationships. And so if I could give, if I could share any wisdom with anyone that I've learned across my career is nurture and care for those relationships just as much as you do the career that you have in corporate America. And then also understand your identity separate apart from what you do for work. Um, What you do to provide a living is not who you are. And so figure out a way to bring that whole person into the work environment. And I think you'll live a much more rewarded life. That is wonderful advice. It resonates so deeply with, I think when I was younger, I have had my job get conflated with me and maintaining that separation is so essential. I loved your advice, sharing how we have the ability to gain our own knowledge, taking risks, taking big leaps, being intentional about mentorship relationships and reciprocal and being willing to ask for feedback to get feedback. You've given us wonderful advice and we appreciate you sharing your personal experience with us today. LaQuenta, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.